Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Fertility Podcast. And if you've been listening to this chronologically, this episode's going out end of May 2018, where if, like me, you must be sick of all the GDPR emails, it's like the world's gone mad realising that that 25th of May date that we knew was coming was coming and everyone had to send like 100 emails to their list. I'm hoping my email about this podcast coming out hasn't got completely lost. And I'm also hoping that my inbox is just going to shrink because I didn't acknowledge half of the emails I got. It was annoying, wasn't it? You're like, not another one. And everyone's trying to be funny with their titles of their emails. Just one more. Yes, it's... Ugh. I do. I, I digress. So welcome to the podcast if this is your first listen. The point of this podcast, which I've been making now for four years, is to give you a range of different information about your route to parenthood. You might have just found out that you need to have treatment. You might have just started trying and it's taking longer than you think and you've started to look online and hopefully you've found this podcast. But I cover a wide range of topics from uh, advice from experts on specific issues affecting your fertility, uh, from PCOS to endometriosis. I've talked about nutrition about um, other kind of coaching methods available to help you. I've talked about recurrent miscarriage and the point is for you to feel you can have a search around all the episodes. There's over 100 at thefertilitypodcast.com. There's a little search box to put in maybe something that you're looking for. If you found this podcast on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, again, do subscribe. You can rate and review this podcast too to help other people find it. For that, you get a massive thumbs up from me but again you can you can search through and uh, have a listen and I hope that there's something that helps you along your way it's been a crazy time of late with quite massive changes happening regarding our kind of choice as far as our fertility goes and I did mention in last week's episode about what had happened in America on Capitol Hill where there'd been the first kind of infertility advocacy day and actually as it happens my guest that I'm sharing with you today is American and he talks about uh, the issues affecting people's fertility treatments so I thought it was quite a timely one to share seeing as hopefully things are now starting to change. In Ireland this week there's been a landslide vote to relax Irish abortion laws which is a massive massive change it's a historic change. I'm a big believer of pro-choice and I think it is a terrific thing that has happened for the world as we are embracing our power to uh, make changes happen from all the campaigning and the lobbying that we do and I hope it gives us all strength to carry on fighting for what we believe in. Now before I share my episode with you today, a little bit of housekeeping I guess. I mentioned how you can find the podcast. I also want to mention how you can support the podcast. If you go to thefertilitypodcast.com and just sign up for my email newsletter, having just started this episode ranting on about GDPR. But seriously, if you want to be kept up to date with what's going on with the podcast, um, I do ask for all of your permissions when you give me your email and I do treat it with utmost respect. And it means I can also keep you up to date with the other projects that I'm working on. One being the Ultimate Fertility Guide, which is the directory platform that I've launched and I'm doing regular live streaming because when I share my podcast episodes with you I've already spoken to the person the experts and you're not in a position to ask them questions and sometimes I'm getting emails from you asking more questions so I've started bringing experts to my directory and then doing live streams on Facebook where you can come and ask them questions so go to the ultimate fertility guide 
on Facebook. The website is just theultimatefertilityguide.com. And again, give me that email because now you've got so much space having deleted all those other unwanted GDPR emails. But no, on a serious note, I'm trying to create this constant dialogue between you and the kind of service providers in the industry. And the live streams have only been going about a month, but they're getting better and better as my technological ability gets better and better. And I just want you to feel that there's another way of kind of getting answers in this weird, overwhelming world that we find ourselves in when we're trying to manage infertility. And that actually brings me nicely onto my guest as with the content I create and the work that I do, I'm trying to add that kind of extra emotional support and that kind of resource for you to feel less alone. And that's something that my guest Brad Ash and his wife Elise have also created. Brad and I have uh, met online as a result of a tweet I put out asking for men to share their stories because if you've listened to this podcast before... You'll know that I'm keen to give that voice to men talking about their fertility struggles because not enough men do. So, Brad, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. So let's start with when you found out there was an issue, shall we? Uh, sure. So it goes back uh, a little over three years and, you know, all of our friends were starting to have kids and we had our, our plan and, you know, you think you think you're so smart when you start out and we're trying to decide which month we want to start trying to try and, you know, pick the birthday. And I mean, it's crazy looking back just how much you think you can control the situation. You grow up and you're kind of taught the opposite. That you have to be so careful that you'll get pregnant if you're not following all the, you know, you're not, you're not constantly watching out. Um, and then when it turns out to be the exact opposite, um, you know, months go by and gets more and more frustrating and, you know, takes its toll on, on people differently and couples differently. Um, everyone processes the the reality and you know you have I'm much more of an optimist and you know hey we keep trying it's going to happen it takes time for people bodies are different you know there's a lot of variables um, my wife goes more to the everything is wrong this is never going to work worst case scenario you know we try and pull each other into the middle which when you're in a good relationship and you communicate well hopefully you do you know we were going for for many months eventually go to all the, you know, your OB and various doctors. And that was also frustrating because they were sort of giving us the same, oh, just it takes time, wait, eventually, you know, medicated cycles, Clomid, things like that. But it, it did take a while until we actually went to a real fertility clinic um, and kind of started advocating for our own fertility health. Um, once, once we did that, I think the ball got rolling much faster. And when you say it took time because you were going on the advice of what the professionals were saying or you were giving it time as well for it to just see if it might happen? I think family and friends, you know, Facebook and all of these, um, what can sometimes be terrible resources, you know, they have they have their place for, for some people and for certain things. But even our, uh, my wife's obstetrician, you know, where you go for your, your normal routine checkup, she really didn't push us to get any further tests done or, you know, think that there was anything really wrong. So that was, you know, several more months wasted in the, until, again, we really took matters into our own hands and went to a fertility specialist. And yeah, I know that it is very different in the UK. And I've, I've talked with many people over there. It sounds very confusing where each, each different county or region, even if you're two streets over, has different rules and regulations and yes, the postcode costs. And yeah, so it sounds, that sounds like a whole stress in, of itself that we don't have to deal with. But um, on, on the flip side over here, pretty much the entire country is you're on your own. There's no insurance. There's no 
coverage. So it's, uh, you know, it depends on which state you live in, but it, it just can be, you know, not only the normal emotional toll of going through a physical um, trauma and uncertainty, but all the costs associated with it. And uh, there's just not a lot of help. So it, it takes people a while to get to that fertility specialist. And once we did, then things started moving pretty quickly. They identified uh, almost immediately that my wife had endometriosis. Um, she had several large cysts on her ovaries and um, that our doctor recommended against surgery because um, that could really hurt her ovarian reserve. And um, so we, we didn't really have once that, that was a relief finding out what was wrong. On one hand, she gave us pretty poor odds of conceiving naturally. But on the other hand, at least you know something because living in that unknown is just so difficult, um, as I'm sure you know. And uh, so, you know, once we had at least an idea of what the problem was and a path forward, um, they, they told us, we also, we did IVF with ICSI. Um, there really was no very low odds of us um, IUIs or other medicated cycles working. You were told that you needed to have ICSI, but they hadn't identified a male factor. We didn't have to have ICSI. We, we chose oh, to do ICSI to increase our odds. Okay. So, no, we, but they told us that IUIs were going to be very low percentage chance of working. So oh. they, they recommended we jump right to IVF, which okay. was a, is a big jump. Sorry, yeah, we did. Um, again, I, I'm not sure how all the, the system works in, in the UK, but here everything's kind of a la carte, whereby you get the IVF package, and then you can also get all of these add-ons, such as, um, you know, you can do ICSI, you can do genetic testing, you can do, um, you know, fresh transfer, frozen transfer, all of those items you buy a la carte. It's it's kind of weird. You're you're looking at this giant price list, almost yeah. like buying a car. And you do you want to upgrade to the the cold weather package or very bizarre experience? And how did you feel support wise along the way? Because obviously you're faced with stuff that you've never really had to think about. And you know it's only when you go through that clinic store that you start to be googling and looking for more information and advice. Do you feel that you were getting support from the clinic that you were with? We were very much like our clinic. I mean, we thought they were very good and professional, but I wouldn't say that there was any type of emotional support. They, they were very good at their job, but they did not really bring in any type of emotional component into it. I would say that the doctors and nurses were naturally empathetic people, um, which certainly some doctors don't do as well with that as others. But um, no, there was nothing really specialized or focus or materials or... And what about who you were talking to in your inner circle about what was going on? Were you keeping it pretty quiet or did you have people you could talk to? Um, I'd say we are both pretty open people. So certainly more open than a lot of people who go through infertility, uh, where it can be very isolating and alone. I'd say despite being very outgoing social people with, with a large friend circle and a close family, it's still really hard. You can be talking to people and they're good listeners, but they're not really hearing you because they don't understand and they haven't been there. And uh, we don't we have a few friends that we've actually discovered kind of after we were really in the thick of it that had either successfully gone through fertility treatments or were in the middle of fertility treatments. My sister, I didn't even know, also went through fertility treatments for her second, she had secondary infertility. Um, so, you know, it's despite, it's just not, not something that people talk about openly. Um, despite being open people with a lot of close relationships, um, and, you know, we had a lot of friends that have small children and they 
were supportive and empathetic, but they also didn't really understand um, just how, especially for my wife, just how emotionally tolling this was. I mean, just it, it was the most massive weight and burden that I've ever had to, to deal with as her partner. Um, and, uh, and it's incredibly frustrating from the, the male side. Um, and I don't want to, you know, stereotype, you know, men are this way and women are this way. Um, I'll just speak for myself and the men that sure. I know, um, happen to be more of the, the fixer archetype and always trying to just, you know, fix the problem, make the problem go away, make things better. Um, and, it's incredibly frustrating because there is absolutely nothing you can do. You know, you can be the shoulder to cry on. You can, you know, say the right things. You can just be there. You can listen, but you really can't advance the solution. So if you are that type of person who is used to always being the one that just takes care of problems and, and makes problems go away, uh, there's <laughs> really doesn't work in this situation. Um, and, and that adds frustration and, uh, and that can get you down. So, um, that, that's what I've personally dealt with. And that's what, um, some of the men that I'm close with that I've spoken to about infertility, uh, yeah. that seems to be more common. That definitely was something that I think my husband was, was struggling with that you just couldn't, you couldn't make the problem go away, that it was kind of something unfixable at that point. And again, that's not all, you know, all men are one way, all women, we obviously know that. You know, I do have one friend who uh, I would say of the couple, he is the one that is much more, you know, this is much more of an emotional toll for. Um, he is, is incredibly distraught at the, the thought of not having kids and not having a family. And, it, and his wife is a little bit more resolved to, eh, you know, we could, we could make it work. We could live a kid-free life. So relationships come in all, all shapes and sizes. But speaking more to just the, the people that I interact with most commonly, uh, that, that fixer problem is, comes up frequently. So just tell me where you're at currently, because I want to talk about the, the conversations you're having, because it's really interesting what you and your wife are, have created. So the reason I needed to uh, schedule this right away when I saw you, because we are in uh, wait mode uh, to go to the hospital any day now. Um, so my wife is 39 weeks pregnant. Oh, wow. So you've had successful treatment. Yep. Um, so we had our, our first round of IVF failed. We had uh, three embryos made it to blast and they were all genetically abnormal right and that and that was a that was a tough phone call because you, you got three eggs and uh or three embryos and and you really think that you know at least one of them is going to be good you think your odds are pretty much guaranteed that you'll get at least to try a transfer and yeah uh that was just really bad luck but our, our second transfer worked was that a fresh or frozen that was for yeah a frozen transfer nice. um and that, again that would just came at the recommendation of our clinic we really just took their advice and tried to put our best foot forward. So sorry, just go back a step. Out of the three, non were viable. Correct. So, so when you had the frozen, what was that from? We did a, a second retrieval. Okay. And you went and you froze them rather than going straight for transfer with them fresh? Well, we were going to do a frozen transfer both times. But okay. on the, the on the first retrieval, the, the day five blast, they, they did a biopsy and, and all three were non-viable. So how, how does it work? Because from, I, I think that's quite a difference between the US and the, the UK in that how we experienced it was we had the treatment, we had the egg collection, and then we had transfer, and it was fresh. Whereas you would go and have the treatment, have the collection, see where they get to, then they're frozen, then you wait. You, you can do it either. You can do a, a fresh transfer as well here. That That's probably the most common option, actually, uh, in right. the U.S. 
So that, that's not different. Um, but you can do where they get to a, a day five or a day six blast. You can either, op, you know, not everyone does the, the genetic testing of the biopsy. If you do that, it's a two-week wait. Um, and in the meantime, yeah, they have, they have frozen your all of your embryos. You, you can't obviously wait two weeks if they're not frozen. So do, sure. uh, doing a biopsy on a fresh transfer is not, not possible. But So you had one round. You had the three embryos that none of them made it through. So then you went through a second round of IVF. And were you doing ICSI at these two times or were you doing IVF, straight IVF? With ICSI both times, so. Okay, um, and it was the second one that you had embryos that were successful and then you you chose to have the genetic testing. Why? Because you just wanted to be thorough or there was something in your family that you were concerned about? No, I mean, it it really comes down to um, cost and and it's certainly an expensive option. Um, It wasn't even... um, the, the biggest thing with it is just avoiding chromosomally abnormal, non-viable embryos sure. because those would ultimately be a miscarriage. Sure. So, you know, looking back, if we, we kind of debated whether or not we should do that on the first round, if we hadn't done it, you know, we would have done a transfer and had a miscarriage at some point along the way. And then whatever recovery time we would need emotionally to, to try it again. And we would have gone through that three times. And I don't know if we would be, you know, here today sure. um, expecting a child. I don't know where our journey would have sent us, but that would have been just so much more heartbreak. And uh, and um, so, and that you know, guidance, that Brad, sorry to interrupt you, but that guidance about the understanding about the chromosomal abnormalities and the link between because that is the most common cause of miscarriage is a chromosomal abnormality. Was that stuff that you'd researched or was that your clinic explaining to you along the way and so you made that choice? We did it at the guidance of our of our fertility clinic. I wouldn't say they, they pushed us to do that. They just said, you know, they were very straightforward. Here are the odds. These are the risks. This is what you can learn or not learn from these tests. Yeah. And we, t- we talked to a couple other people who had gone through IVF who had either done or not done mm-hmm. that and just decided it was it was the right choice for us. Well, look at the result. Yeah, so I'm again because we you know it would have really taken us in a different path if we hadn't done that. Um, it worked out very well for us. You know, the second round was successful. We uh, we had three embryos again, and um, sorry, we had five. Three were genetically viable, um, and uh, we did a transfer last summer and we are now expecting our first child any day now that's amazing amazing news and really empowering to you know have have had that test done and to have that information available and and I think one of the big differences in the UK is because we have access to NHS funding which is an amazing thing uh, although we have this issue with the postcode lottery which as you described it does determine what you have access to depending on where you live and your circumstance which is completely unfair and it's something that we're all constantly trying to get changed ultimately it means that people more people are having to self-fund and when they're faced with that price list as you've described it, it, it can be really daunting and overwhelming to know what to pick and to know the outcome but ultimately the way that you've done it has meant that you haven't had to go through multiple failed cycles, which is what we want. We want to have the success as soon as we can, but it costs. That's that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? That you had to spend that extra money on those tests to get that result. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we are very, very aware of how privileged we are to be able to have uh, afforded all of this process um, and all of these options that we chose along the way. Um, that that's just simply not an option for a lot of people, um, and it and it's that's terrible that 
really, you know, your financial standing and, and the economics comes down to your odds of success of having a family. Um, and yes, I mean, that's, that's a big problem in the U.S. that we are also fighting against. And there are, you know, several great organizations that are trying to push and change the standards on that. And, and I, I really hope we can kind of move that around the world um, so yeah. that economics do not become a barrier to uh, family planning. Definitely. And let's talk about what you and your wife are doing because you've set up uh, Fruitful Fertility, which is a lovely thing, a lovely, friendly place that you can find as you've described it, fellow fertility warriors. And I love the term fertility warriors because I meet them all the time and I take my hat off to everybody I meet. And um, they are absolutely warriors. These are the, uh, you know, the strongest women and, and men you will ever meet. They, uh, they go through a lot and they come out the other side, hopefully, uh, or, or not. But, um, you know, they, they keep moving through life and, and dealing with this weight that unlike other, you know, serious traumas in life that people feel kind of grasp a little more. Studies have shown that uh, this is an equal trauma to women as losing a parent or to going through cancer treatments. Um, it, it is just something that is such a massive weight, but it doesn't have the same understanding as I those. I heard that reference before. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's. It, I, I think it's, you know, in, in some uh, brain studies has been shown as the, the fourth most traumatic event that a woman can experience. Um, and it doesn't have that level of understanding. I mean, we we're able to empathize with death. We're able to empathize with other serious health uh, risks that we understand a little more. And and again, it's not it's not comparing these things or saying one is worse than the other. It's just other things have a better uh, level of understanding in our society. And this is a trauma that people don't really understand if they haven't experienced it. So you don't get the same level of empathy from your loved ones and the people around you, uh, which just makes it all that much harder to go through it alone. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, fertility warriors, absolutely. And what we have set up is, you know, going back to when you're saying, you know, where were you finding information? You talk to people, maybe you find some friends, you look on Facebook, the, the internet just becomes this endless pit of information that some is good, some is bad. I'm sure you've found yourself in some online groups where, you know, all of a sudden some insensitive person just decides that they've had success and they're going to post an ultrasound photo, which is incredibly triggering to every other person in that group and call it pregnesia where, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, and I think that's something that's been very front of mind for us going through this is, you know, now that we have had success with IVF, um, being very aware of all of our friends and connections we've made who are still struggling with this. And it's, it's great. You know, you can be happy and you can, you can celebrate that this joy that you're having in your life, but still be mindful of all the people who have not had that. Um, and you know, those, you don't need to say, well, I, I got my child now, so I'm moving on and mm. sorry, everyone else. The whole concept of these groups just people are at different stages of their life. They're at different stages of success and, and it's really difficult. You know, it's, it sounds terrible to, you know, it's not competitive, but you know, in a subconscious way, there is competition going on. And, um, again, it just really can trigger a lot of people in, in ways that are not intended by the person experiencing a, a joy, but you know, other people are not. And so, 
what we what we tried to do is set up a uh, mentorship service where you are really talking to one person and it's a known quantity. So if you're going through um, and you have endometriosis or you have PCOS or you're dealing with male factor and you want to talk to one individual who um, and we don't qualify a mentor as someone who has necessarily had kids, but someone who is in a good place with their fertility journey. So either they had success, they've decided that a child-free life is okay, they've adopted. Uh, there's a lot of ways that people can essentially move forward in their their, their journey. And uh, so anyone that is on that other side that can give insight and give advice um, or just be someone to listen to that understands. Again, your best friend may be the most empathetic person in the world, but they don't understand. And they had two kids naturally, and they just they can't relate to what you're feeling. So having someone who really gets it uh, was something we noticed was very lacking in the process, and uh, we, we're trying to fill that void. Um, and, and it's been really incredible so far. We've, we've had just an amazing response with signups, um, not only from people wanting support, but also people who have been through infertility and now have families and want to give back as mentors. And the most common answer we hear when talking to people is, I wish this had been available when I was going through this mm. um, and just wanting to, you know, it's, it's not a... People can really make of it what they want. It's not a, a huge time commitment, um, but that's really up to the relationship that a mentor and a mentee build. Um, you know, we, we sort of compare it to uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous meets a uh, online dating service. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to pair people on compatibility, but, you know, you wouldn't, if you had two people trying to get sober together, uh, that wouldn't really be a good match. You need someone who has been around for a while and has already gotten sober uh, to help bring the other person along. So um, we, we've kind of taken that uh, th that success from other aspects of, of dealing with struggles in life um, and tried to bring it to the infertility world. I think it's brilliant. I think it's really interesting, and I will put all the details on the show notes of how people can get in touch because it's all free for people to use. It's, it's kind totally of free, and you, you sign up, and you give you know, all the information is is private and encrypted and not share we don't share your information with your mentor it's just used to try and give you you know someone who's had a similar journey and then what you choose to share with someone is up to you it's really no uh no privacy or, or medical concerns with that that's kind of depends on the relationship that you want to build and what your needs are well i'm definitely going to sign up as a mentor in that i think uh, from someone who's currently at a secondary infertility stage and i've been trying to talk about that a bit more and the comments that I've had I've shared a few blog posts and I've done a, a few more podcast episodes on it I think that's a big area that's still not spoken about enough and I think that um, oh it's inc it's incredibly hard people really don't get that you know it's oh you have a child like why you know what, what what's, what's the problem exactly. yeah it's, exactly. so yeah, I, I mean what you're what you're doing is is great you know we need to be keep talking we need to have more conversations we need to be public about this things aren't going to change in the shadows and uh so, no, I mean, it's it's great that people are, are, you know, making, you know, forums and podcasts and blogs and, you know, these are, there's big news stories being written about this more and more in, exactly. in the New York Times and the BBC. And, you know, the more we can have this conversation going, the more we can spark changes like uh, like your postal code lottery or, or the insurance yeah. system in the US. Well, let's all keep up the good work. Brad, it's been really interesting, really good to talk to you, and I wish you the best of luck with your upcoming parenthood. 
And uh, may your nights not be too sleepless, but you'll love every minute. All right. Well, thank you very much. We, uh, we can't wait. If you're looking for a supplement to take whilst trying to conceive, Pregnacare Conception and Wellman Conception provide advanced nutritional support. They include zinc, vitamin D and the exact levels of folic acid recommended for women by the UK Department of Health. Pregnant Care is expert nutritional care while trying for a baby. And to find out more, visit thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash shop. So I'll put all of Brad's details in the show notes for this episode, which are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash Brad to make it nice and easy. And you heard Brad saying that they were expecting their first child. And so whilst I was editing this episode, I had to go back to Brad and find out what they had. And they had a little girl called Abigail on the 9th of March. And Brad said to me that she's awesome and the pair of them are loving every minute of it. So, of course, great news. And Brad has given me details of the studies that he'd mentioned which I will share in the show notes for you as well. Thank you, as always, for your support. It's always really great to hear what you think of this podcast. So if you didn't catch the beginning where I asked if you could go into Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast, it just really helps other people find it. It helps me hear what you're thinking about it. And don't forget about the live streams on the Ultimate Facility Guide. Until the next time. <laughs>